Nothing better than a little Spanish music in the morning. Or Cuban music in this instance. Good morning and welcome to All Things SR Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Pam. How are you this morning? I loved how Guantanamera comes on and then our beloved Betty pops onto the chat room. It's always the way. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. I'm so happy to see Franca's. Uh, I should just say good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're listening and from wherever you're listening, I see Franca has joined us today. Mm-hmm. She's saying good morning, Pam, Leslie, and everyone who has joined in. It's been a few weeks since I've popped in and was away in a beautiful island of Zanzibar last week, but did manage to get into Passion Flicks to watch the movie OMG, it was perfect from beginning to end. Both Rachel and Julia made stunning brides. And Franca, I wanted to thank you for sharing. I've not been on social media much, but I have had the pleasure of sharing your wonderful adventure through your photos in Zanzibar. It is delightful to see what a beautiful trip you had. And I'm so, Mm -hmm. so glad that you were able to get away. so I wanted to thank you for that. And I'm glad you got to view and experience the beauty that was Gabriel's Rapture Part 3. Hey. So great. It was, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Yes, it was. And I'm so happy to see everybody on. I. Good morning, KK and Floor, Anna, Ellie, Black Lab Lady. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashley, of course, the upcoming birthday. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like to just say the celebrations have already begun, Ashley. Yes. Happy, happy birthday. Shell and JC. And of course, I mentioned Betty earlier and she of came course. on. Of course. <laughs> uh, so glad. I know, KK, I'm so glad you could pop in. She said, just a quick hello. Everyone can't stay long. I just get, smile whenever I see KK pop up. I know. Um, it's just been such a busy, busy time, but it's so good that we can all come together uh, and celebrate our dear SR. That's right. And we are doing the last chapter of Gabriel's Promise. Yes, part, part one. one of part one of the chapter 64. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable. Um, ooh, Franca. 
She said that's part of her job. She sells Boss's Villa in Zanzibar. Nice. So if I can arrange a trip for you, let me know. Franca, yes. That would be awesome. I am awesome. interested. I that would have would to say, awesome. you know, uh, that would take some planning because for me to get from where I am to Zanzibar is, uh, you know, it's a bit of a jaunt, as you as you know, since uh, you're in the different quadrant of the world. Um no, I'd be very interested in that. I'll have to try and DM you offline and just try and start dreaming about going to Zanzibar. Absolutely. Are we drinking mojitos? Actually, I'm finishing mm. up some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, ha- I have my uh, mini-me with me. Uh, she's getting into those wonderful teenage years where, you know, what time are you getting up this morning, Kitty? Oh, I don't know, June. <laughs> so I've got the morning to myself at the moment. That's perfect timing. Absolutely. You can do the podcast and then get her up and you can have more adventures. Mojitos for breakfast though. I like the way you're thinking, Betty. Perfect for the for our musical selection uh, that brought us in this morning. Absolutely. Oh, gotta love the rum. I'm actually having coffee as well, an iced caramel macchiato from Starbucks oh, that's because that's I was dropping my daughter off this morning because her car is not working. But is it decaf? So, is it decaf? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Full throttle caffeine oh, for me, right. please. No, see, Minnie Me has, she loves to get the, those drinks, but decaf, well, that's that's very good. That is very good. Yeah. Franca's asking how you're both doing, Pam. She thinks of you and your granddaughter often. Well, they went to the beach yesterday, Franca. We went to the Franca. beach yesterday. Um, you know, for, for me, it's a day-to-day thing. I, I'm, most days I'm doing okay. There are days when it gets me. And I shared last week that when we were watching Gabriel's uh, Redemption Part 1, Part 3, um, when... Julia was going on his discovery, and the uh, St. Francis prayer prayer was being sung by Angela Little, which she did a beautiful job. But that just that hit me really bad. So I get days like that only because I use that song in his funeral mass. And uh, so, and Isabella is—I'm not quite sure yet. She's she misses him. Um, she's, she doesn't talk about it too much unless you bring it up. And I, we had gone for a ride on Friday and we passed the cemetery that my son is buried in. And I said, did you want to stop in? Well, not today, maybe later. I'm like, okay, I'll just leave it. And not that I want to force her into that. She does not have to do that if she doesn't feel comfortable with it. And... So, you know, we uh, go from there, and and I know that she has been getting some counseling, but I'm, I have to check with her mom to see if she's getting any grief counseling at the moment. So, other than that, everything's hunky-dory. <laughs> that's super important. Hunky-dory. I love that. That's what made me giggle. Um, the use of hunky-dory, I just think that's such a fun phrase. <laughs> Um, but Anna noted that the beach picks were very soothing 
and Betty's sending prayers for you and Isabella, which I think is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and Black Lab Lady, of course, says you both continue to be in her prayers. So, and of and course, Franca, you, you're right. She'll when mm-hmm. she's ready, she'll talk. So I just I'll broach a subject, and she wants to open it up. Fine. If she doesn't, we go to something else. Yep, that's that's what you have to do. We're current. We are currently in a Stranger Things marathon. I think we do season three today. It's funny that you were mentioning Stranger Things. As I was driving back, coming for the podcast, uh, the Kate Bush song that has made the reemergence, um, thanks to the recent season of Stranger Things, was on the radio, and I was thinking, we still need to watch the final two. Uh, episodes the the two uh the last season um so maybe we'll do that this weekend what a phenomenal production though if you have a chance to watch that production i highly recommend it well she uh, she loves stranger things and it was funny because her stepdad asked me uh, or i said to her to anthony because isabella loves all these creepy scary mm-hmm. whatever she has my my mother's brother's heart for that. The guy, my sister and I never did. And um, so I, I said, Anthony, has she watched Stranger Things yet? Because I think she'd really get into it. And uh, you know, but I'm leaving that up to you and Laura because you know her her, her tolerance for that kind of stuff better than I do. And uh, he says, oh, well, we'll broach it. We'll talk about it. So when she got in the car. On Wednesday to come down, she said to me, "Yeah, Gammy, have you watched Stranger Things yet?" I, <laughs> I said, "I saw season one and some season two. Oh, you have to watch it. You have to watch." So we've been binging the entire series while she's. <laughs> yeah. That'll be good. Yeah, that'll be good. It's definitely, um, it, it's really well done and for me it it's such it uh, such a blast in the past as someone who grew up in that period of time in the 80s mm-hmm. as uh, someone who was I, I mean I recognized I recognized articles of clothing some of those folks wore from the bicycles um, and the bicycles and the everything <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah I think it's great that you're spending time with Isabella as Anna noted grief is very individual and fluid mm-hmm keep the line of communication open so it's really really good and a floor loves loves the song and stranger things is a must watch she said mm-hmm. so and betty noted that james is doing a q a today on instagram yes yes i was trying to pull up the uh, information on uh, which uh group it was with it was um, an individual yeah, a, a person group. who is a book group, and I'm. I'll find it. I will find it and share it. But if you look at James's Instagram post, you should be able to grab it. Mm-hmm. Um, always a good time to have James on. He's such an interesting character mm-hmm. on screen and off. And yes, Franca said she um, really was impressed. Her heart broke for Paul when he confessed his love to Julia. James was perfect in that scene. Um, And Betty agreed. Mm -hmm. It was such a beautiful and poignant scene. Her heart ached for Paul. And it's true. It's so true. Um, Oh, it is true. 
And Franca said, I got a lovely reply from Denise Gossett, who played Grace on Twitter. How special was that scene in the movie? Oh, phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Thank you, Shell. The Bookula review. Yes. I've I've listened to Ursula before. She's had some good uh, good guests on. So definitely worth checking out. And and that's at 6 o'clock tonight, Eastern Standard Time or New York Time. Yes. Um, Also, uh, I wanted to say that um, was like, what was I going to say? What were you going to say? Were you going to get I into the... I don't know. must have been a lie. <laughs> oh, I know it was. Um, I, I DM'd James last week, and I said, you know, really, you should take those, get reels of those scenes and put them into your IMDb page. Absolutely. It would be up there. You know, it just gives... It gives people looking at it a little bit more information in depth of what he can do. And uh, so hopefully he'll. I think he should because I think that's, you know, um, just beautiful work. It is. It is. And it, it does show a sensitivity side, which you don't see on his reels that are out there now. Right. He does a lot of law enforcement yeah, characters. So, and, and you know, and not that James is Irish, but most Irish men in the Bronx, New York, were all sent either to, uh, well, because they take some sort of crazy test in New York. When you, Betty would know more about this than I do, but in the city, they used to do like a, a test, you know, job job placement test. What mm-hmm. is better for you? And firemen and policemen were ninety percent of the Irish kids that were in the Bronx taking these tests got firemen or policemen <laughs> well i think uh central casting usually will pluck uh they usually pluck, pluck the, Jay- yeah the Irish pluck the bigger races. guys yes. i i think it's james physicality right That's i mean it. he's a big guy yeah. he that that makes sense for him to be cast that way and i just wanted to say a special hello to cheryl down in atlanta she won't be listening today she's a tad bit busy on a project well i hope well, your project goes well by, cheryl and she's wishing everyone a great time and a blessed week. And so, give Grandpa a big hug for us. Yes, yes. Special hugs for such a sweet man. Um, and I'm just so glad that you were able to stop by. So hoping all goes well with your project. I understand it's a busy, busy time. Um, and I'm just glad we all got together today. I see Diana's uh, joined us as well. Hello, hello welcome floor noted um we've been talking about james um and his portrayal of paul and floor noted paul was so sweet when confessing his feelings such a hard thing to do when it's not reciprocated just a great scene and it really was i I, it that scene was there are so many scenes right in that particular Mm -hmm. part Mm -hmm. um we we waxed poetic about how brilliant Julio was last week um and we will continue to do so because uh both both Melanie and Julio gave just outstanding performances but the material that Julio had to work with in this section of the book was Mm -hmm. just stunning the way he was able to to convey the emotion um oh Cheryl's big brother is getting married today I'll say that's a project. That's wonderful news. Speaking of uh, the weddings, Mm -hmm. uh, Franca noted that Julia and um, 
Rachel uh, portrayed on the screen. Their weddings were beautiful. So Absolutely. I hope I hope your brother has such as beautiful a wedding as they did on the screen. Um, <laughs> hashtag Team Emerson Shell said. And Betty said, I would give James an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. That scene was magical. Mm-hmm. And you know, Betty, I think everybody, every time James comes on the screen uh, portraying Paul, we all think of you because Absolutely. you are such the Paul fan. Mm-hmm. So Team Paul. Team Paul. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of a good sway- segue as we begin our chapter. That's um, true. Because we're going to visit uh, Paul in mm-hmm. a different Place and Time, Chapter 64 of Promise. Um, but before we get there, we have a few items from SR World. Just a couple. A little, little bit of news. Just a, nothing, nothing major, just a couple little things. That, um, little reminders. Yeah, the Passion Flicks uh, subscription discount to new customers is still available at Sticky Little Leaf. And it's a discounted price of $3.99 a month for the first three months when you subscribe. Uh, the offer is only valid through the month of August, though. Uh, Red Carter's song, Even Angels Cry, uh, is available on Spotify as well as iTunes, as is uh, Ben Collier's uh, listing of the Gable soundtrack, Rapture soundtrack. Um, so I'll be doing a few chats in September. He'll be joining us on September 3rd to discuss the movie, and I believe he will be with Argyle Empire. Uh, a certain point too. I'm not sure of that date. Yes, I know. I know it's coming now. He's um, he's told us that he was um, going to hit a couple uh, a couple groups to chat, and um, we're so thrilled to begin our September uh, with him. Absolutely. Um, coinciding with a birthday, by the way, as you know. So that will be. That will be a lot of fun. This is Gabriel O. Emerson. She'll be celebrating a big day, and then we'll be celebrating little Claire's next birthday. Yes, yes. That should so. be interesting. Because <laughs> I, 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 I can, I can, she's about the same age as, as Isabella, so I can, <laughs> I'll fill you in. <laughs> on what so she when <laughs> so when you are quizzed about it you are going to know her birth uh, her age <laughs> oh. I tell you what I, the, the, just uh, the, the new words the, the vocabulary that has come through um, number one we are either cringe <laughs> yes um, we have a vibe and we have mm-hmm. aesthetics. I love it. And that's included the words of Isabella somewhere, somewhere in almost every sentence that comes out of her mouth. <laughs> and then there was another one that she told me. What was it yesterday? She said that we were talking about music, and I asked her if she liked Kesha and some of the oh, yes. and Bob Dylan. You Irish said right? Stuff. Bob Dylan, whatever. And Bob Dylan, she's just like, I don't know, Gammy. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, how could you not? And then, but um, <laughs> she's more into Icelandic indie rock. Mm-hmm. Could care less about some of the current artists that are out there, like Kesha. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, she was it. 
I forget the word she used, but I was like, I had to take a double take because it came out of his, his <laughs> 10, almost 11-year-old mouth. Yeah. So, yeah. It's so, yeah, I, I, I said she's going on 25, I think. <laughs> At least. At the very so. least. Betty noted that Isabella and Claire would be BFFs if they ever met. I'm sure they would. I mean, I, Isabella does have the Hobbit. Um, mm-hmm. So Tolkien is, is playing in there. Uh, she has not read the Narnia books yet, but she does want to read them. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling Santa Claus is going to be making a special uh, gift this year. Mm-hmm. And um, what else is she... She's into history. She doesn't like science or not, but she likes history. So. Well, there's plenty of history around where you are right now. Oh, yeah. Well, when all her reports for school are, it's uh, always around Philadelphia. So. That's and great. Ireland. And Ireland, because, you know, Gammy's Irish. <laughs> yes. Gammy has lots of history knowledge, yes. too. That helps. Yes. And uh, we're actually starting the chapter in a very historic place mm-hmm. um, there at Magdalene and chapter 64, which is really, really cool. As you recall, they are overseas. Uh, Gabriel had some obligations in uh, for his lecture series and Julia was at her um, workshop. Mm-hmm. And uh, the chapter begins uh, the cloisters at Magdalene. Uh, Julia leaned through one of the archways into the airy space, looking for the small stone carvings that ran along the walls. C.S. Lewis, the professor and author, had used them as inspiration for The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, one of Julia's favorite books. And uh, on her first visit to Oxford, she and Gabriel stayed in the college, and she and Gabriel snuck out to look at the statues. That was one of the things she wanted to do, and we're actually putting in the link yeah, I got now. It. Oh, you did it. Okay. Yep. Um, so you can kind of see what we're talking about. Um, and if you recall, at that time when they snuck out, they had... Uh, been crammed into this little tiny room and I just love that scene back when they first visited um (laughs) Gabriel was so Mm -hmm. appalled at -hmm. at the accommodations um but she uh was at a very different point in her life right she she was careful not to go onto the lawn uh, because she didn't want to be evicted yes and, uh, you know, she's reminiscing about that and then reflecting on a conversation that she had with Cecilia um, recently. And she, Julie was wondering if she could have handled it any differently. And um, she wondered if she had not broached the subject earlier, if Cecilia would have been more amenable. Um, you know, she had a lot to think about. And I, I love it. Shell saying hashtag Narnia. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank's, Franca saying can't wait to see the behind the scenes snippets from Oxford that hopefully passion flicks and spoiler man are going to share mm-hmm. roll on October. I would love to see that. And Betty's noting, I wonder if the lion, the witch in the wardrobe would ever be a Halloween costume theme for the Emersons. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and shell said his hoity toitiness was sh- showing 
about the accommodation. Well, that's true. He, you know, he wanted to be at the <laughs> Shell, rental. you're cracking me up. Hoity-toitiness. Hunky-dory and hoity-toitiness. Hey, I you love know, it. That could be our, that could that, be our sub-theme for the, the podcast album. today. Hunky-dory could, could be, was a great album. The hunky-dory to hoity-toitiness. I might I might use that when uh when emailing SR next week. <laughs> I I just think that's great. Um so, you know, Julie at this point is really reflecting on how if any way she could have had a different outcome with Cecilia. And I think it's also hard too because she had considered her a friend. Um and as as Anna points out, Cecilia's a vindictive bitch. She is. <laughs> but she her she's she's turning her venom on the wrong person. You know, this is this is the this is the victim who was an innocent bystander in the crossfire of ego wars mm-hmm. between Cecilia and Gabriel. And frankly, Gabriel's not not the one who's having the issue it's all cecilia um which is unfortunate mm-hmm. because you know she was very concerned um because she had such a good relationship with her coming into harvard and i reread i reread the chapters that were portrayed in part three so it was very fresh in my mind her initial meeting with Cecilia as the incoming uh, head of the department. And she was very kind, very supportive of Julia um, as she was entering the program. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it was hard, you know, and Julia's thinking their acrimonious parting would haunt her the rest of her graduate program. But Even think- Wonder Woman's magic could not keep Cecilia from speaking badly about Julia and her project if she wanted to. But you know what? I no- think... I think I think she handled Cecilia well. I really do. I mean, she may because of a other background, but she did it well. I think. I think so too. And honestly, if you think about, it, this is not the first time that someone has been bad mouthing Julia. No. You know, she's she's kind of gotten that tougher skin um, thanks to Krista. Um, you know, and having having such criticism swirling around her. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has. You know, I think she's able to handle it better. It's just someone who wields such such a title and such power will be hard. But mm-hmm. even then, I still think you have a naysayer in a group of, you know, one negative voice in the group of 25 positive ones. Mm-hmm. I, I think it it will not be as dramatic as she thinks. Um, Betty's saying, if Gabriel were offered a room at the Queen's Castle, would he object if that to it that because it wouldn't meet his standards or would the castle be everything the professor approves of? <laughs> I would love to see that scene. Mm-hmm. And Shell's noting, it's really traumatic when someone you trust betrays you. Um, <laughs> and Shell said it would be too many rules at the castle, Betty. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, like, you know, you, if you walk in with the queen and you walk out of the room, you have to back yourself out mm-hmm. before you leave. Yeah, Anna noted, Julianne is just naive. She's the easier target. Gabriel would easily squash Cecilia and not look back, which is true. True, but I think Julianne's Um, getting there. She's getting there. She's getting there. Um, As CFP is a raging biatch, 
um, mm-hmm. Shell noted. <laughs> and Betty said, who knew he would have to thank Krista for helping toughen Julia's skin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And back, Black Lab Lady agreed with you, Shell. Truly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's a silver lining from that horrible experience. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, I think part of it also has to deal with the fact that they are in the realm of academia. And as uh, written, academia is a fiefdom, uh, is a, an observation made in the book. Mm-hmm. And it's not the first time they've been kind of trapped within some of the constraints of academia. So we had asked SR when uh, this chap- about the beginning of this chapter. Um, why did you choose to include the cloisters in the chapter? Um, and SR noted, this is a really interesting part of the college and one I like a great deal. So I think that's kind of a lovely insight into SR himself. Um, I think too, I mean, if you get to go there, it definitely would be worth checking out. And Pam, you had a chance to do that, if I recall, right? I did, but I didn't get to see the cloisters because I was on one of the big buses because I had to get back to a, a train at a certain time. Mm, so yes. I'd walked around yeah. uh, near the Bodley and and gone to the Eagle and Child and the, the, the hotels at the Ru- Randall or the Rudolph, something like that. And I did the Ashmolean Museum. So when I got on the big bus, it was... Uh, Basically, this is this college, this college, this college, this college. But the pictures of it are absolutely beautiful. And if you ever saw, I think, I forget what the name of the movie was. I think it was Tolkien. Mm. That was, came out a couple of years ago. And I, I wanted to watch that. I haven't yet. And, and you can you can see the actors who are portraying the Inklings, you know, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and... Uh, others frolicking, for lack of a better word, in in the cloisters. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, I think as uh, it's interesting to note um, that uh, as I'm looking here, Shell noted that Julia is becoming stronger, not harder, through this, mm-hmm. and speaks well of her. And Franca said, thankfully, we all know that Julia did eventually show Cecilia just how much she had grown in strength and character, which is true. <laughs> and Betty asked, so no tea with the queen, Pam? <laughs> no, not that visit. When I was in London, she was still up in Belmoral. Oh. So, I, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to stop in and say hello. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate when your schedules don't uh, match, yeah, I right? <laughs> Franca says she has a niece in the UK who is fortunate to study at Magdalen College. Wow, that's awesome. That must have been an amazing experience. That I hope awesome. I hope to get there someday. someday Just like Zanzibar, Franca, you have planted that seed. Those pictures had me wanting to go and you just now I keep thinking about it um so here's uh enter enter Betty's uh Betty's favorite person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because a cheerful voice at that point questioned if Julia was looking for Aslan and 
there was this tall, broad-shouldered man approaching her from the side. Julia looked up and into the face of Paul Norris. She was relieved to see him, and she was very grateful to see him. Um, Paul saw that her eyes had been watering, and he asked what was wrong. And she proceeded to tell him about what had happened with Cecilia. Um, obviously, I mean, this was really, you know, as, as it mentioned earlier, this was a break of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Paul, Betty, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and Anna's saying Julian still wants to believe everyone is good. That's her heaven and her hell. Yes, it is. Anna, you are spot on, my friend. Um, so, you know, she recounted how Cecilia would not approve her semester in Sc- Scotland, would not serve on her dissertation committee, or write a letter of recommendation for the job market. Paul cursed and told her he was truly sorry. He produced a tissue from his jeans pocket and gave it to her. Of course, being Paul, the gentleman, the kind soul, her, her friend, her confidant, she was truly thankful for the tissue and wiped her nose. And Paul asked if he thought that Cecilia would change her mind. Julia assured him that she was adamant, and Paul cursed again. He thought it was purely ridiculous that she was in her last semester of coursework, and this would be an issue. Um, and Betty says, well, Paul, I've missed you, but Julia's having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Um, truly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's saying, look, last semester, Edinburgh has a program in Italian studies. And that Graham was there. I mean, it, it makes no sense. It truly makes no sense. And Paul wondered what Cecilia's problem was. And Julia told him she thought she was upset because she was passed over on the Sage lectures. And the dean had given Cecilia some heat. And she thinks Cecilia's taking it out on Julia. Paul thought that was total bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul had nothing to do with it. He, and rightly so, he saw right through it. He's this is misdirected venom mm-hmm. going to an innocent, and it, frankly, it really does make Cecilia look bad. It does. If, if any kind of a professional setting, if someone would assess that and understand what she was doing, it would just make her look foolish. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I still. Personally, when I read this, I still felt that at some point down the road, Cecilia is going to wisen up and be like, ooh, this is a bad mistake for me professionally, me being Cecilia professionally. Mm -hmm. And she's going to change her tune and write a letter for Julia or do one of the things that she said she wasn't going to do. I I do not see her. That's my personal opinion. Um I don't think, I do think she's going to change her mind down the road. Cause I think not, not for Julia's sake, but for her own sake. Cause I think she's going to appear to her peers to be ridiculous. Oh yeah. When, and her um, peers are going to get when, upset about that. Yeah. But I could be wrong. You know, mm-hmm. she could hold a grudge and, and not go back, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and looking in the chat, um, you know, Betty's saying, Paul, I think it's time to start using hankies. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and she's saying, tell me how you really feel, Paul. Mm-hmm. Shell said, Cecilia is a raging fool. And Betty said, you know what? Cecilia is actually making Gabriel look like a teddy bear. 
<laughs> Shell noted, I think of all the accolades that could be attributed to her, um, meaning Marinelli, if her student is confident enough to go beyond. Yeah. Sure. You know, we'll see. We'll see if uh, this storyline continues in a future book, um, if, if there is a change of heart. There's um, always a file somewhere. Yes, I know. SR has his has file his folder full of his his notes on mm-hmm. future storylines, and I'm hoping that's one of them. And we did ask SR. Um, you know, he he noted C.S. Lewis and um, the Chronicles of Narnia. And what he I asked, what does what draws you to C.S. Lewis? What elements of his writing inspire you? And SR responded that I think his Chronicles of Narnia series is brilliant as children's literature. Mm-hmm. But I've also enjoyed his nonfiction writing. He has a lot of common sense in the latter and great world building in the former. Right. And he does. I mean, if you've ever read any of his non-Narnia works, mm-hmm. Mere Christianity is one of them. There, I, I think there's another one I've read somewhere along the line. But he, he, he brings out a lot of interesting thought on these subjects. It's true. It's true. And looking at the chat, you know, there's more comments about the Cecilia situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Flora saying, Cecilia is so unprofessional in these moments. Instead of helping your student, you're selfish in your own wants and needs. Um, Shell said it would be extremely surprised if Marinelli changed. She would be su- extremely surprised if Marinelli changes her tune. Mm-hmm. And Black Lab Lady says, I think Cecilia's temper will get... Um, Hold on, please, because... We'll get the best of her and eventually impact her career. Yes, better storyline. Yeah. (laughs) Again, there's a file somewhere. Yes, and and Betty noted the SR files. Mm -hmm. And Franca said she'd love to see a showdown between Cecilia and Professor Picton. How great is the actress who portrays her? I can't think of her name now. Yeah. Agnes, I think. Is that Agnes? She was super duper... No, Agnes was Agnes. Um, okay. the, yes, Agnes was the actress who played uh, Paulina. Although I do relate to Rebecca, but that's another story. <laughs> Shell said, "There's so much to some, so much to be to learn about humanity from the Chronicles: mm-hmm. faith, forgiveness, and kindness." Absolutely, and I think that's really, I think that's influenced Cesar's writing. You and, know. A, and a bit of sacrifice, because you think of Aslan. Mm-hmm. Betty's saying, I wonder what Greg Matthews will say when he finds out what is happening between Cecilia and Julia. That's a great, that's actually a great comment. Because mm-hmm. you know, you know, either Gabriel or Catherine's going to slide something in the conversation to him about that. Of course. I think that will, I think she'll get heat from that. I think, I think Greg's going to come down on her for that, even though he was the one who kind of, uh, cause the rift to begin with mm-hmm. um so it should be good it should be so as julia thought that grad students are pawns or puppets uh and paul's giving her a quizzical look about what do you mean type of thing and she said the rabbit's in her warren typing furiously on a typewriter she types for days and nights and finally when she's done she's emerged with the project and there's a loon sitting outside her warren who's been scar- scaring away everyone. And Paul interjects and says that the lion eats the rabbit. 
But Julia tells him no, that the lion protects the rabbits so he could get her project done. And Paul was lost on that one and suggested that she sit down and have a cold drink. <laughs> it's, it's hot out. <laughs> so Julia said the rabbit is the grad student and the lion is a dissertation director. And he's like <laughs> looking at her in her eyes and like, yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> and who wants to work with a lion? And Julia said the point was to have a director who is strong enough and powerful enough to protect you from all the other animals that are attacking you. And Paul was so glad that he was not a student anymore. Well, I guess this is a couple years out for him, so I'm, I can imagine that he would feel that way. Right. Well, you know, he's he's a professor now Absolutely. in his own right. And right. I love it that he's saying, seriously, how is Julia talking to Paul without hugging him? I know, I know. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, and Shell, Shell came up with the name for Professor Picton. It's Linda Atkinson. Thank you, Thank Shell. You. I was looking that up. But so anyway, so he, he you know, he was uh, thought working with Gabriel was bad. Uh, so Julie's like, well, which line would you work with now? Or Paul asked her that. And she's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I told her Catherine Picton. Paul grinned and said, yeah, she is definitely a lion. And the story of her calling out Chris and Peterson and tell, tell her she was not invited to Oxford conference was legendary. <laughs> Someone even made a meme of her yelling, Codswallow. <laughs> which Julie wanted to see, so Paul said he'd send it to her later. I'd like to mm -hmm. see that, too. I'm sure there's one out there somewhere. <laughs> and while he knew Cecilia did great work, he would pick Catherine over Cecilia in heartbeat. True. I yeah. mean, Catherine really has the higher profile. I mean, yeah. Cecilia is well-recognized, but Catherine has longevity mm -hmm. of excellence. And right. um, She probably has a higher reputation than Cecilia at this point in time, too. Yes, and, and Betty said, I bet Paul is the most beloved assistant professor. We are I sure. sure <laughs> and Shell said, CFP is the white witch. <laughs> true. That is true. I love it. So, so I had asked... As Lawrence said, because I'd never heard about the rabbit lion story. story. Where did it come from? And I also mentioned that I thought maybe it was something connected with my luck. It was connected with C.S. Lewis. Mm -hmm. um, he said he wasn't sure of the story, but it's an old tale professors tell their grad students. I simplified it somewhat for the novel, but it, it uh, took out the depth. Uh, there is a fuller version that came from the University of Illinois, which we'll put in the chat room, mm -hmm. and uh, that that goes into it more. So, you know, is, you never know with SR where his, his little, I'm not going to say his little brain, but his brain works in, in finding all this information out. It's true. It, and I, again, we learn... We learn things every time we read SR. Absolutely. And um, this story was one that I was not familiar with. And it's funny, I, I have a lot of friends in academia, and I need to ask them about this. I'm curious if any of them have heard it um, as well. So just a good reminder to do that. Betty's saying, I thought it was the only one who hadn't heard of this story. No, Betty, I know no. I haven't heard of it. No, it um, is a parable that, uh, that's out there. Yeah. According to um, Anna noted Cecilia just after herself. 
Franca's saying, I bet Greg Matthews never moves Cecilia's library books for her. <laughs> and Betty said, wait, there's a death in the story? That was the plot twist I was not expecting. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. not that particular story there is, but, and, yeah. but you know, SR set it up for compared to Julia and Cecilia. <laughs> so Julia was afraid she was quitting. And Paul Shorter that she's not quitting. And just because you're changing your uh, direction on your thesis, I mean, it's or the director of your director. thesis, that doesn't mean she's quitting. So no, not at all, not at all. She's not quitting. She's moving forward. I, you know, Absolutely. it's almost like Cecilia. Cecilia wanted to make her bend to her will, mm-hmm. and she was like. Nope, I'm going. I'm not going option A or B. I'm taking my own route and going option C. Absolutely. So Julia said that she was still putting, uh, when Paul asked what her dissertation was on, she said she's still putting it together, but she wanted to write Guido de Maltefeltro and St. Francis and Guido's son. And he wanted to do the two death narratives. Right. Paul said that he liked her reading of, of why St. Francis appeared at the, um, in, in some of the hagiography. But uh, what was she thinking? And mm-hmm. So Julie agreed, and, and that and had been great. And she was saying that it's the spirituality contrast with Guido's political manifestations and the Franciscan spirituality. And uh, so... Is that the people uh, had been really kind for suggestions of books and articles on what she was for what her dissertation's about, and that she's got to look up. <laughs> Hashtag sketchy Guido. <laughs> I love that. Well, I mean, you know, Dante had a lot of political aspirations too, but that's an mm-hmm. Um Paul thought that it was good, and he, you know, that she and. She had gotten the okay to work with Catherine, and which is, I think, is going to be better for her in the long run, anyway. Mm-hmm. And she assured him that she had not had to wait until, but she had to wait until August when, because that's when Catherine officially started at Harvard, as well as letting the chair of the department know. And, uh, you know, so she was without a supervisor at the moment. So he asked, Do you reference Franciscan spirituality in this series? Why do you uh, choose to do so? And he answers, Franciscan spirituality is not very well known. And part of that comes to the humility of the founder, St. Francis of Assisi, and the humility of those who followed him and joined the order. But there's a lot of blessedness in Francis and his life and his legacy, including his kindness and compassion to all. And his ideas of brotherhood for all of all of humanity and all humanity to animals and God's creations. So, you know, I, I remember, I don't know how long ago, watching something on St. Francis and his origins. It was a movie, I think, that was done, I think it was done in Italy, probably late 40s, early 50s. And... Uh, just giving him a biography of what he was like. And, you know, he he really was. He became a very humble servant of God and of man and animals. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he would have given his last rag to somebody for, yes. at the end, you know, when he really got in, 
started the order and really found all this. Basically, they, he was, he and his followers were wearing rags. They weren't dressed to keep warm. They weren't dressed to keep cool. They were just, it was just whatever was there. So, Yeah, the Franciscans are really special. Um, and there is such a beauty to their teachings. Um, and I, I do love, it's, it's humanity, it's brotherhood, it's caring for, you know, being your brother's keeper, right? Mm-hmm. To caring for all. All creatures. Um, all creatures, great and yeah, small, they're, they're, right? That's exactly it. There's that song, all God's creatures, great and small. So, you know, that's very much apropos to him. Yes, yes. I, And I, you know, when I joined the Catholic Church, it uh, was... Um, I had been attending church and mass with my husband-to-be at the time, and uh, our priest was Franciscan, and I just loved those ideals. And um, it's funny I mentioned that today because the priest who married us did it 28 years ago today. It's my anniversary. Congratulations. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Franciscans are very special um, to me personally, but I I also feel like in this writing and, you know, and obviously we just saw part three and that journey to Assisi and the the interplay with the storyline and how it's affected um, and woven itself, um, the influences on Franciscan Mm -hmm. spirituality. are really really strong so yeah it's uh it's and really as, as um, beautiful out, saint francis was also the first one mentioned to have had the stigmata mm, yes and padre pio um is a saint that my sister you know my she just calls him padre i mean she feels that closeness to him mm-hmm. um she always he was also uh, someone who had the stigma. And uh, he, 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 he was a lot closer to our age than St. Francis was. But he, he, mm. he's, my sister thinks, my, she, she knows that he has created, done a lot of miracles, both known by the church and both known outside the church, so. Mm. So she goes to well, the shrine whenever she can, and he's a Capuchin Franciscan. Oh. Whenever I hear the Capuchins, I think Cappuccino. I think <laughs> I don't. I think Punky. <laughs> the little, you know, the little yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's terrible of me. Anyway. Um, anyway. I bet he's noting that St. Francis is so important to Julie and Gabriel, she was surprised they didn't include Francis in Claire's name, which I think is interesting. uh, St. Claire was, uh, she she, uh, started the religious order of of the nuns that Mm. St. Francis had. They were close friends, and, and, and they wrote back and forth to each other. So... Oh, well, Franca noted that her mother actually met Padre Pio in person. I will have her to parents came from a village very close to his convent. I'll have to let my sister know that because she, like I said, she, well, there's a shrine in Bartow, Pennsylvania that my sister goes to at least once a month. Mm. That's 
that's how close she feels to Padre Pio. So. That's no. cool. That is very Diana's cool. saying, I find it interesting that in Latin American religious history, Francisco de Assisi is known. It was nice to read about this in a romance novel. Mm-hmm. So, and, yeah. And I've, I've always had a very strong feeling for St. Francis. I mean, I, I think from the time when I was a child, when they were telling us about how good he was with animals, and I, I think that's kind of started it for me. Mm-hmm. back then so yeah well and i think that's interesting diana because the church i was attending was a spanish spanish mass so it it uh, was all Sp- in all spanish and it was serving uh, the latino community in south central pa so and padre esteban mm-hmm. was uh our priest um and he was just wonderful all the good things mm-hmm. that you would think. All the good works. Just a lovely, lovely person. So I just think that's very cool. Yeah. And, you know, as we go back to the story, you know, Paul is still comforting Julia. And, you know, I think he's definitely reassuring, her, you know, trying to reassure her that it's going to be okay. And, As they have the discussion just then, the ringtone comes from his phone. And what what we hear is the tone and theme of Guantanamera. And which is the which is what uh, what uh, we brought the podcast in, um, how we began the podcast today. Uh, Pam loaded that for the show. And Julia looks curiously at Paul. She sang Cuban music. And Paul was blushing a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, as we were talking about St. I wanted to mention, too, Franca just noted this. Italians Crocera are name days as much mm-hmm. as our birthdays. And hers is on the 4th, October, which is St. Francis Feast Day. Mm-hmm. Franca is the abbreviated version of Francesca. Mm-hmm. Uh, they celebrate name days. Yes. Absolutely. I love that, Franca. It's beautiful. So we're reading and hearing, you know, Paul's, the music is playing. Paul's blushing a little bit. And he said, oh, a friend of mine, a very special, special friend of his chose her own ringtone. And Julia wanted to ask, but she thought it may be too personal. And Paul read her mind, and he said, her name is Elizabeth. Are you blushing, Betty? You should be. You should be. Um, (laughs) I wonder how that happened, Betty said. Did Elizabeth take Paul's phone and assigned her ring song on one of their coffee breaks, or was it at a bar? Well, Paul's a gentleman, and he would never tell you either way, but probably she did. <laughs> I think she did, and I would think it was probably at a coffee break. That's that's mm-hmm. my guess, Betty. Um, <laughs> had, uh, quote, unquote, co-worker. I love it. Mm-hmm. He said, we worked, Elizabeth and I worked together. It's complicated. And Julia reminded him that complicated can be great. So he stopped and declined the call. And uh, <laughs> sure she is, Shells. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's where so, it's be complicated. Coworker, dating. Yes. Yes. Well, Julia, you know, 
learned that complicated could be great. It also could be, you know, it, it, it could take a lot out of you until it becomes great. But <laughs> Betty says, yes, it is super complicated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Paul responded, you know, sometimes complicated can be great. Mm-hmm. And he then asked Julia if she was happy with her life, he meant. And Julia said, well, you caught me at a bad time, obviously with Cecilia's uh, news hanging over her head. But she said in general, yes. Um, Mm -hmm. And Betty said, side note, complicated means Paul is still dating Allison. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, that is complicated. That could be. And again, go back to the SR files to see what he has in store for a, another book, if he does another book in the series, mm-hmm. um, which I still have a feeling he's going to. But that's my, that's my own personal feeling, my personal hope. Um, Frank is saying, it's time SR pulls that file out and gives us Paul's continued story because he's got me confused between Elizabeth and Allison now. <laughs> We'll let Franca will let us know you said that. (laughs) Um, And Uh. he has a file, Shell says. This Mm -hmm. is true. So, you know, Julia's telling him, you know, in general, she is happy. She's come to the conclusion that falling in love is easy. It's life that's complicated. But I would not trade her life for anyone else's, even though it hasn't always tr- turned out the way I had hoped. He, She just was not going to trade her life for anything else. Mm-hmm. Paul was glad she was happy, and he told her that she deserved to be happy, Rabbit. She thanked Paul and told him that he was always such a great friend, and she so appreciated him. She leaned against his shoulder, and in return, he squeezed her hand. It was an intimate moment but one out of true affection and friendship, which is, right, this, this, is, this is Virgil mm-hmm. and Beatrice. You know, it's this true f- friendship. It was at that moment that Paul knew that Julia does love him, not in a romantic way, but it was affectionate and deep, the kind that he had hoped would continue through their lives. Even as he pursued a different love, they moved apart looking at their shoes and footsteps sounded from nearby. So, reading some of the comments in the chat, but he said, I did ask Boss what was happening with Paul and Elizabeth, and he told me Paul is still dating Allison, hence complicated. Ah. So, thank you for the clarification there. And uh, Franca's uh, louding your musical selections, Pam, because uh, Maestro Pavarotti's uh, oh. in the background. And Shell says, not a rabbit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But Betty's saying, since Allison never made a cameo in this book, I can't help but wonder what is happening between Paul and Allison. They seem distant, very different from the ending of Redemption. Uh, I agree with that. I think they're still kind of figuring things out. And then Mm -hmm. you have the whole issue of her not being into any kind of a long-distance type of relationship. Mm -hmm. Although I don't think he's really far from from the farm where he's teaching. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm very curious. It is a complicated situation. Yes, it um, is. If Allison has still has her sights on set on Paul, 
if Paul was getting together with her, not getting together with her, not sure what he wants to do with her. So there are a lot of unanswered questions. <laughs> and there's a, the amount of time, uh, you know, I, I think that's... Uh... It's got to be hard because I, I mean, I know that there's reconciliations and people do, you know, I, heck, I know a friend of my mother's who her high school love that she just adored had gone, had moved out to California years and years and years ago. And, and this woman went on to marry another man and have children and he passed away and out of the blue, the old high school flame that was living in California came back to Pennsylvania mm. and they reconnected and, and have been together. I, and I, I think they've both passed on by now, but um, they did reconnect and, re and marry each other. Yeah. But I don't, it's... I don't see that with Paul and Allison. You know, I yeah. Think, I'm not... I think she's more set in where she wants to be and how she wants to be. And mm -hmm. Paul's had that, extraordinary experience of going into academia and being in places other than right you know, his his worldview is expanded compared to hers yeah mm -hmm. and you know a certain cuban caught his eye and that's uh you know someone else who's making him kind of take pause and and the possibilities of what can be so, and, and as, um, as Franca noted, that's SR weaving his evil magic, Betty. That's He's true. keeping us guessing while he makes up his mind. And <laughs> saying, hey, Walter. <laughs> yes, good morning. Everybody says good morning to you, boo-boo. Yes. And Betty's saying, I love that Paul and Julia are finally having that moment of healing their friendship. And Paul finally has closure. I do too. I, Betty, I was actually just about to say, you know, this is the final chapter of book four. Mm -hmm. And this is one of, you know, although a lot of people know that there are unanswered questions still um, that have not been resolved in promise. Mm -hmm. This is one, I think, of those story arcs that have a really good, solid, solid, uh, closure in terms of the healing yes. and the love and Paul Paul is accepting her love of him as a friend mm -hmm. he's not resisting it and she's willing she's been willing to give him the love as of a friend but he couldn't accept it before mm -hmm. because it hurt too much um, so I, I just I really like the way he, he it yeah, and it also shows, you know, Paul, it, Paul is steadfast. Paul is with her when things are bad. Mm -hmm. And this is another example of him being steadfast and true and supporting her. Uh, Floor says, I agree, Betty. They have come full circle. Um, Shell says, Paul doesn't have the same fire for Allison that he had had had, had for mm -hmm. Julia, which mm -hmm. is true. Mm -hmm. And Diana agreed with you, Betty, as well. And Betty's saying, I was happy for Paul. But I do wonder, why was Elizabeth calling Paul? I thought you'd be able to tell us that. You never know. You never know. And we did ask SR about uh, why, um, you know, with Elizabeth. Why did he happen to choose Guantanamera 
as Elizabeth's ringtone. And um, he, of course, gave us the ultimate answer, the ultimate SR answer of Winky Face. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a link link to the song. To the song, which um, is, he's pointed this out before. It's the, um, it's the version. Oh, actually, we might need to find that again because that. I have it. You have it? Yeah, because I had asked him separately about the song because when I was planning the podcast, because Guantanamera is such a, it it can be, it's been sung by so many people. I asked him, for example, if he liked the Pete Seeger version or the Celia Cruz version or the Sandpipers, which is another 60s group, or Wycliffe Jean, Lauren Hill, Mm -hmm. Celia Cruz, and... Jenny Fuchita, and um, he. Said I thought he, he liked Buena Vista. Does he? Is he it the Buena Vista the Social Club? Buena Vista Social Club's Compe Segundo, and that is the link that is that. Okay. Well, this link that I just put in was not working, so just know it's Buena Vista Social Club. I got it here. I'll get it for you. And, um, you know, I as I'm looking in the chat too, Fl- Franca noted. That SR had indicated um, that there could be a book five, and that's going to be an epic book. Think of, of all tying up all the loose ends. Um, I think you know it's it's great. SR writes for fans, and he 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 when the stories occur and come to him, he he likes to share it. But as you know, as you may know. Initially, Gabriel's series was a two-book venture. Mm-hmm. It was initially going to be just Inferno and Rapture. Right. And then he had such great response, and fans wanted more, and he wrote book three. He wrote Redemption. And then again, there was that, that wish and desire from the fans to go into a different storyline and have more of Gabriel and Julia. So that's how promise was born and so by the way, flora is leaving us she's up in new york for the next uh for with her uh, mom and her sister and they are off to a spa so oh lovely lovely and have lovely. a great week and we'll, we'll talk next week with you yes 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 happy yes birthday ashley and happy anniversary leslie and i love today thank you thanks flora and shall saying betty Elizabeth called to wish Paul a good day. (laughs) (laughs) And, oh, enjoy. Enjoy your time. Yes, Franca's saying it. One of her favorite cities in the world is New York City, and I agree. There's nothing quite like it. You know, there was was an artist, um, uh, Barry Manilow. I'm sure everybody's heard of him. He uh, wrote this song, uh, The New York City Rhythm. Yes. And every time I walk through New York City, it doesn't matter whether it could have been yesterday or 30 years ago, that song plays in my head as I walk the streets. It's just, it, it, it the actually city has it really such does a great rhythm. It really does capture. It's interesting that you say that. It really does capture the feel mm-hmm. of the city. Mm-hmm. It does. It's, yeah. That's one of, one of the things when people say, oh, I don't like New York. 
I say this, the city has a rhythm all of its own and you have to listen for it. Mm -hmm. And you'll really, if, if you hear that rhythm, you'll, you'll enjoy the city more. This is true. Mm -hmm. This is true. Well, and Betty's noting, you know, when we're going back and forth with this conversation about Paul and why Elizabeth may have been calling him, she said, maybe Paul made it in the local newspaper, the local news, and she's calling to let him know. We'll have to see. We'll see what comes out of the mind of SR. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's promising, mm -hmm. to say the least, mm -hmm. um, of what might be happening in of course, next week we will be talking about Absolutely. footsteps. And, and Franca's got to get off, it. by the way, because she's getting ready for her nephew's birthday dinner. And Wonderful. We'll, we'll so glad you, you can join us today, Franca, mm -hmm. live from South Africa. Mm -hmm. And they say if you tire of London, you tire of life, Pam. That's I true. think the same applies to NYC. It's true. Very, very cool, Franca. Yes. Enjoy your family time, everybody. Um, and we are wrapping up since we're done with uh, part one of the final chapter of Promise. Mm -hmm. And we'll be back next week with the yes with part two conclusion. Mm -hmm. So what do what are we uh, going well, with? Well, a somewhat apropos ending called "The End." It's by The Doors, which <laughs> in and of itself is is a strange song. If you ever read the lyrics, but heck, why not? So I'm a Doors fan. Yes. So have a great week, everybody, and we'll talk next week. Take care, everyone. The West is the best. Get here, and we'll do the rest. The blue bus is calling us. The blue bus is calling us. Driver.